This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me this evening to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. And we'll begin reading in verse number four. And I want to preach a message that I trust will be very practical and very helpful to you as we look this morning at this subject of his plan for us, the plan that the Lord has for his church. And we recognize that that plan is not for just the body at large, but it is for the individuals who make up that body. And so we look together in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4. And I will apologize ahead of time. I have a cough I just can't shake. <clears throat> and oftentimes it hits me about mid-word, and uh, I have to pause. <coughs> so I'm hoping to get it. Mm, out of there, you know. So uh, uh, you pray for me that I'll be able to not be a distraction. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. We live in a day where many uh, are, of course, concerned about what we see happening in our world and the events of uh, human history as they are unfolding before our very eyes. And we see prophecies that are being fulfilled. Uh, and we who have a biblical worldview understand that these things must come to pass. And uh, we're not to let our hearts be troubled in the midst of these things because our redemption is drawing nigh. We understand that Jesus is coming again. And we should be aware of that truth. And we should be looking for that truth and looking for the coming of the Lord. But I, I think if we're not careful, we could develop an, uh, an occupation, a preoccupation uh, with all sorts of uh, information uh, about what's happening in our world and we could spend more time and energy pursuing that than we do pursuing what Christ has clearly commanded that we do. And what he has clearly commanded that we do, and even corrected them in their thinking here, is that they would understand it is not for them to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. We know he's coming. We know it's soon. We believe it's just any moment. But in the midst of all of that, 
We need to understand what's on his heart and what's on his mind. And he reveals that to us in verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. So as we discovered this morning, the Lord's plan for us is that we as a church and as individual believers are engaged, actively involved in evangelism, reaching the lost. We are witnesses. And so as I uh, delivered that truth to you this morning, uh, this afternoon, I I, I began to think about sharing with you practical ways that you can go about that because we all have different opportunities. We all have different um, personalities. We all are dealing with different circumstances. I think about um, the ladies who care for their children and most of their day is spent at home uh, taking care of the needs of the kids. Or perhaps they're in an office or in a factory and then they Uh, After they finish the job, they come home and they take care of their children throughout the evening. And how can they be involved in the Lord's plan? And how about young people, children? Can children be involved in the Lord's plan? And what about teenagers? Uh, What about teenagers who their only friends are in church? And uh, how are they involved in evangelism? And and how are you involved in evangelism? And how are some of you who can't see at night and, and it's difficult to drive and um, you're not as, uh, you don't have the health you once had, how can you be involved in world evangelism? How can you be involved in reaching Hickory? Is it just for a select number of people who meet a certain criteria or is there a way in which we all can be involved in advancing the gospel, that we can all be participating in the witness of the Tabernacle Baptist Church? And I believe the answer is yes, we can all be involved. And I believe we should all be involved. And so I just want to share some things that I trust the Lord will use tonight to provoke your thinking, to encourage your heart, uh, to stimulate your soul and your spirit to say, Lord, I want to be used. And uh, so receive me where I am and help me to be what I need to be. And I want, I want to give you seven things. I hope you'll write them down, and we won't be long. Number one, follow the Lord Jesus. That's quite simple, isn't it? If, if you want to learn how to be a witness, follow the Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 19, if you'll write that down in your notes, Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 19, and And I invite you to turn there with me, the gospel according to Matthew in the fourth chapter. And the Lord Jesus is calling his disciples. And he says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 19, and he saith unto them, follow me. Now that's the call of discipleship, that we would follow the Lord Jesus. That means that we would walk uh, in his steps. Uh, As he leads us, we are with him. And we are following him. We're following on that path. And so he said, follow me. Now notice the next statement. And I will do what, church? I will do what? 
I will make you fishers of men. Now, he's dealing with men who are fishers. They're fishermen. They catch fish for a living. He's calling them to follow him, and he's saying to them, I will make you fishers of men. How are we to become fishers of men? Is there some course we can take? Is there some resolution we can make? Is there something that we can do to, to, to uh, change our personality and change our desires, and thereby uh, we become fishers of men? The answer to that question is no. If we're going to become fishers of men, we understand that it is the work of Christ in our lives to make us fishers of men. And so if you desire to become a fisher of men, if you desire to be a witness, if you desire uh, to be someone who leads people to Christ through your testimony or through your evangelistic efforts, if you desire to see people saved, then the best thing, the most important thing you can do is follow Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, as we commune with him, as we spend time with him, what is important to him becomes important to us. And his nature becomes our nature. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. It is the work of Christ in us to conform us to the image of his son. And we understand what his purpose is. We understand what is important to him, that we give the gospel. And so as we learn to follow Jesus, he will make us fishers of men. Now, how do we follow him? Well, first of all, we have to obey his commands. We have to obey him. He said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command? And so the call to evangelism is a call that we must obey. We don't have to wait for the feeling. We just have to step out and, and obey God. Now, as we obey God, God meets us in our obedience and God strengthens us, and the Lord empowers us, and we know that the Lord is with us. He said in Matthew, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. He said in Mark chapter 16 that he was working with them. That's the statement, the Lord working with them. I want you to know that when you obey, when you step out in faith, God meets you there, and he ministers to your soul, and he uses you and he fills you with himself. And so if we're going to be effective witnesses, if we're going to learn uh, to get the gospel out, then number one, we have to follow the Lord Jesus. You cannot be a fisherman if you're not willing to follow Jesus. That's all there is to it. And if we're following Jesus, we're going to become fishers of men. That is the natural result of following him. So here's the question for us to consider this evening. Am I truly a disciple? Am I truly a learner? Am I truly following the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I spending time in his word? Am I obeying his commands? Am I being faithful to what he's called me to do? And friend, if we're not, then we need to understand we can take the rest of the list and, and we can learn from it, but until we're willing to follow him, we will not become fishers of men. And may God help us. Number one, follow the Lord Jesus. Number two, depend upon the Holy Spirit. Depend upon the Holy Spirit. 
have you ever had someone uh, maybe knock on your door and, and they want to sell you a product? <clears throat> Years ago, I don't know, I imagine people still do this. I, I haven't run across anyone who does this recently. But years ago, you would have people that would come to your house and they would sell vacuum cleaners and, and they would sell. I remember uh, someone came to our house and sold us fire alarms years and years ago. How many of you bought those fire alarms in the 70s? And uh, yeah, and uh, I remember that when the fire alarm guy came and sold us the fire alarms. And I remember the rainbow vacuum guy and he came. And, and I remember the guy that came with the knives and I remember the guy that came with the cookware. Did you ever have anybody come to your house selling you cookware? And I'll never forget this guy. His name was Bobby. He was a fast talker. And, and Bobby said, if you'll just have me come in, I'm going to give you something. I think he called it the Whopper Chopper. And, uh, and uh, he, he, could, he could dice and he could cut and he could run things through there. And you'd be amazed. I'm telling you, you'd be amazed. And here's a funny story. It's true. Uh, Connor and I went to Sam's one day. And I, I, you know, my dad trained me uh, to be uh, a little cynical about all this uh, stuff. You know, my dad worked in a car dealership, and uh, he was a, a mechanic, and and so he he trained me to be a bit cynical. And uh, but my son and I, we went into Sam's Club, and there was a guy there, and he was slicing all these vegetables, and he was just, I mean, man, this guy, he could move it. It looked like. Hong Kong Fui, you know, or Bruce Lee, or one of those guys. It was amazing what he could do with this tool. It was just, I, I, it was just beyond belief. And he had a little microphone, sort of like what I'm wearing this evening. And he had a group of people around him. And the Sam's Club would make announcements, and they would give out free samples of stuff. And you could go watch the show. And uh, so Connor and I are just amazed. We're dazzled. We were not believers at first. But as we watched the presentation, we became believers. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he said, Dad, you got to buy that. <laughs> so we bought it. <laughs> and we got some little paring knives. You're talking about a deal. And I walked out of there with my chest out and my head held high, and I thought, you wait till I get home. And I brought in the little slicing machine. It looks about like this long, real narrow. It's got different blades and different settings. And it's a piece of plastic with a really sharp blade on it. And I thought, what did I buy when I got home? And then when I showed it to my wife and saw her disapproving look, I said, but honey, I got these paring knives. And I got this little potato peeler. She said, I don't need it. <laughs> I didn't make a believer out of her, right? I thought, well, I can't, I can't sell like that guy can. I'm not as smooth as that guy. Because he had me convinced this was the greatest slicer and dicer of all times. I thought, I'm going to eat salad every day. I'm going to lose 100 pounds. It's going to be wonderful. You know, we fall into a trap thinking that we have to be like that guy before we can give the gospel. Like we have to have that kind of personality. We have to be able to possess that kind of a salesmanship attitude. We're not selling products. 
It's not dependent upon you as a person, your skill, your ability, your, your winsomeness, your attractiveness, or lack thereof. I'll let you decide where you fall in that group. It depends on the Holy Spirit. You know, I think about Philip in Acts chapter 8. The Bible says in Acts 8 verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. Now remember, Philip did not have a Bible, a New Testament. We do. So we don't need the angel of the Lord to tell us to arise and go. Why? Because the Lord himself has told us to arise and go. So he's obeying the command. He's following the Lord. As he's following the Lord, in verse 27, excuse me, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So here's a very influential man, a very important man. And uh, he has come to Jerusalem to worship. He is returning, verse 28, and sitting in his chariot, and he's reading Isaiah the prophet. So he's got the Old Testament in front of him. He's reading the book of Isaiah. (coughs) Again, excuse me. Verse 29, then the Spirit said, Unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Now, I imagine Philip thought, this is an important guy. And uh, it, it may not even be safe for me to approach him. He's a man who has great authority from the queen of Ethiopia. But the spirit said, go near. And maybe he thought, well, this guy has, he has money, he has power, he has influence. He's not going to want to hear from me. And by the way, don't we talk to ourselves that way? Sure we do. Does, does anybody want to go knock on doors in the most affluent neighborhood in Hickory? Or would you rather go to a less affluent neighborhood? Nine times out of ten, you'll pick the less affluent because you think the reception will be better. That's human nature, right? But the Spirit said unto him, draw yourself near to his chariot. Verse 30, and Philip ran thither to him. Philip was walking with the Lord, and when he hears the leading of the Holy Spirit, he runs to him. Now, when he got there, this is what he heard. He heard him read the prophet Isaiah. Now, imagine that. He didn't know that the man was reading the Bible. He just knew that God said, go draw yourself near. So he went. He took the risk. He obeyed the Lord. And when he got there, what did he hear? He heard him reading the Old Testament. I'm sure Philip was gaining confidence at that moment. And so Philip says to the man in verse 30, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? Now look, here we find our role in evangelism. People need to know truth, but they don't know God. How can they understand the truth unless the people who know God and who have the truth guide them? That's where we come in. That's where you come in. And so, as the Spirit has led him, he is now about to guide him. Notice verse 31, and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. 
and the place of the scripture which he read. Uh, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, <coughs> and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall desire or declare rather his generation for his life is taken from the earth. So he's reading the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this. He said, who's he talking about here? Who is this lamb that was sacrificed for us? Who is he? And Philip, in verse 35, opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That's our message, right? Not the politics of the day, uh, not the issues of the day. He preached unto him Jesus. Do you know the message that the world needs to hear? It is the message of Jesus. And this is the message that we must declare. So depend upon the Holy Spirit. Here's the man who did. And God worked a miraculous work in the life of this Ethiopian eunuch, and he was saved. Now, just some practical things as we depend on the Holy Spirit. First of all, he will guide you. He will guide you. So listen to him. When the Holy Spirit impresses you to do something, to speak to someone, he is guiding you. Don't doubt that in that moment. Obey him. Obey him. By the way, you can't witness to the wrong person. And so obey him. He will guide you. Here's the second thing is we depend on the Holy Spirit. Understand that he will use you. This man needed somebody to explain it. And Philip was there. This world needs somebody to explain the message of the gospel. And God will use you. He will use you. He doesn't need the, the guy selling the slicers at Sam's or the vacuum cleaners or the you name it. God will use you. Trust him. Hey, here's something else. He will help you. God will help you. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know enough. I, I, don't, I don't have all of this down. I, I, I'm no speaker. I'm afraid they'll ask me questions, and I won't know the answer. That's okay. God will help you. He'll call things to your mind that you know and don't know you know, or you forgot you knew. God will use you. If you will trust him, I promise you he will meet you there, and he will help you. Here's another thing you need to think about as we depend on the Holy Spirit. He's working. He's not only working in you, but he's working on them. He didn't know the circumstances that the, the, the Ethiopian eunuch was dealing with. He didn't know the man was reading the Scripture. He didn't know the questions that he had and the desires of his heart. He just knew what the Spirit said, and the Spirit said, go draw yourself near. As we encounter people, we don't know how God will use us or... Uh, in what way God will use us, we just simply have to trust that God will use us. And we have to trust that God is going to work and is at work in the lives of those that we witness to. Remember this, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we can't give the gospel to the wrong person. Number one, follow the Lord Jesus. Number two, depend on the Holy Spirit. Number three, pray for the evangelism of the lost. Prayer reveals what's in our hearts. I mean, if we get sick, we start asking people immediately to do what? Pray for us, right? If we have a financial hardship, what do we do? We pray. 
uh, the things that are important to us are the things that we pray about. We need to get back to where uh, witnessing and seeing souls saved in Hickory, North Carolina is important to us as a church. We can look at the balance sheet. We can look at the attendance sheet. We can look at all the statistics, and we can get worked up about those. Let's get worked up about souls getting saved. Let's ask God to do a work. Let's pray. Now, pray for the lost. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Can I tell you that the devil is at work tonight? What is he at work to do? He is at work to blind the minds of people from receiving the light of the gospel. What should we be doing? We should be shining it as brightly as we can, and we should be praying that God would give them sight to receive it. Pray for the unsaved. Here's another thing. Pray for laborers. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 37 and 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. What should we pray for at Tabernacle Baptist Church? Should we pray for our church to grow? Should we pray for our church to prosper? No, what we should pray for and what will result, as, as, uh, what will result from that is those things that I mentioned prior. But what we should pray for is for God to send laborers into his harvest. When the Lord adds to our church, he's adding laborers to the harvest. We need to be busy about the Lord's work, and we need to pray that God will touch the hearts of our young people. He'll touch the hearts of all people in our church that we will all be engaged in this work of evangelism in our city and in our world. Pray for laborers. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Hey, we need to pray for those who are laboring. We need to pray for one another. Pray for the bus captains. Pray for the Sunday school teachers. Pray for uh, the nursery workers. Pray for the deacons. Pray for those who are going into the nursing homes. Uh, if you can't be here on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night or a Saturday, uh, pray uh, for the workers who are going out that God will use them and that the gospel will go forward. So pray for the unsaved, pray for laborers, and then pray for power, Acts chapter 4 and verse number 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. And God heard their prayer. The Bible says in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. When we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we will speak the word of God. Let me tell you that. And we need to pray for God's power. So number one, pray, or number one, follow the Lord Jesus. Number two, depend on the Holy Spirit. Number three, pray for the evangelism of the lost. Number four, be soul conscious. Be soul conscious. And, and let me say this. If we are God conscious, then we are going to be soul conscious. Do you know what keeps us from being God conscious and being soul conscious? 
we're all self-conscious, right? Well, how's it going with me? Well, poor me. Let me tell you how it's going. And I wish I had this, and I wish I had that, and I wish I didn't have to deal with this, and I wish I didn't have to deal with that, and my schedule's busy, and you don't know how bad I have it. And these are the things that we all say, right? And uh, we're self-conscious. If we'll become God-conscious and follow him, he will make us soul-conscious. Now, as we think about being soul-conscious, that means we are aware of the souls all around us. We are aware of the souls all around us. That will allow us to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit when he does say to us, go draw yourself near to this person. When he impresses on us to give a track, when he impresses upon us to ask the cashier who looks frustrated, and maybe we're frustrated with them, maybe he'll impress upon us to say, are you okay? Anything I can do for you? Is there any way that I can pray for you? You see, that we will be soul conscious. And so to do so, we have to do something. We have to remember the condition of the lost. Now, remember, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, they are blind. Satan hath blinded their minds. Do you ever wonder how people think the way they think? Man, I do. When I see what's happening in our nation and how, how people can be on total opposite ends of the spectrum and hold to philosophies of life that make no sense, you ever wonder, how can they possibly think that way? I'll tell you how. They're blinded by the devil. They're lost, and they don't know God. And we need to understand that. They are lost. Can you imagine anything worse than being lost? I remember when I was a boy, I'd sneak off, maybe in the, in the Kmart. We didn't have Walmart back then. In the Kmart. And I would go to the toy section, and I would look at the Hot Wheels, and I would look at all the stuff that I liked. And then after a while, I would realize that I left my mother, and I would start scanning the aisles of the store looking for my mom. And there would be times when I couldn't find her. And as a child, I remember that franticness and that fear, maybe that I wouldn't find her, maybe that she had left me. She did try to do that several times, by the way. <clears throat> and, and I was worried I'd get lost. They're lost. And we need to remember that. They're lost and condemned in sin. They're lost and blind to the truth. They're lost and on their way to an eternity without God in the lake of fire. They're lost. May God help us to be soul conscious. May God help us to look for opportunities to give the gospel or to minister to someone in need. If somebody waiting on you and they can't get it right, don't get mad at them. Don't fuss at them. Show them some compassion and love. Maybe they're having a hard day. Now, that sometimes is hard to do. I understand that. But if we're God-conscious and soul-conscious, God will enable us to do it. God may have sent you there to let you discover their problem so you could witness to them, so you could pray for them. Learn to build relationships with people. Learn to show compassion. Learn to minister to the needs of others. We've begun this 
uh, Bible clubs for our young people on Wednesday nights. And we have young people who come in and ride the bus to our church on Sunday mornings. And we have a teen group that comes. Look, let me ask you guys right here in these first three or four rows, who, who is going to reach those teenagers? Not Brother Brown, you. If they come here and meet a friend, do you know who that friend's going to be? It's going to be you. Are you willing to get outside of your comfort zone? Are you willing to get outside of your box and be a friend to somebody who doesn't have a friend? Hey, it's hard to break into a group, isn't it? It's hard. People are scared. They're like, well, if I go there and I don't fit in or nobody talks to me, look, we need to realize this place, this is not a hotel or a house for our comfort. This is like a bed and breakfast. And in a bed and breakfast, you've got to bring guests in. And if you're not bringing guests in, you're not, you're not going to last long as a bed and breakfast, right? What are we trying to do? We're trying to get people saved. We're trying to get people under the message of the gospel. And so may God help us. Uh, if we're going to minister to Pinecrest, and there's some wonderful people down there, it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to spend time talking to people who repeat themselves over and over. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to go in places like that and show the love of Christ? Are you willing to deal with people who have their hair, uh, you know, colored every, every way under the sky? Uh, are you willing to deal with, with uh, people who, who, who are confused about their sexual identity and not look at them with disdain, but look at them with love and compassion and understand that they've been brought up to believe a lie and the only hope they have to hear the truth is through you? <coughs> you have to learn to build relationships. You have to learn to show compassion. You have to learn to minister to the needs of people. If somebody's in need, do what you can to be a blessing to them. Somebody's having a bad day, offer to help them. And God will use that. What did Jesus Christ do to reveal himself and his person and his power? He healed people. He met the needs of their lives. Now, we're not healers, but we can certainly help people and encourage them and show them the love of Christ that will open their heart to receive the truth. So, number four, be soul conscious. Number five, learn how to share the gospel and train others to do the same. Learn how to share the gospel and train others to do the same. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. There's a biblical pattern and a biblical principle that we would teach people how to serve the Lord. Now, we're to learn, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Adrian Rogers said that the judgment seat of Christ will be a time of reward for many and a time of regret for many. And the regret will be that we didn't do more. The regret will be, as we learn here, that many will be ashamed that we didn't study, that we didn't apply ourselves, that we didn't learn what was important to God, that we didn't care enough about learning how to be a witness that we would even study the Scripture to become witnesses. 
and understand it's our responsibility not only to learn but to train others. So how do we do that? Well, let me just give you some quick things. We've got to study the Bible. We've got to study. Now, if you've been to Sunday school here in the last few years, if you've, you, you've been through some soul-winning outreach training, and, and, and you've got some good resources, and you've got a Bible, and you've heard messages on evangelism, uh, and, and you, you, you've heard people talk about how that we're all sinners and how that Christ paid for our sin, and so we need to learn to study God's Word so that we know what the Word says. And when we study it, we're able to communicate it to others. Study God's Word. Mark Bible passages to use them as we present the gospel. Romans 3.23, for all sin and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10.13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know how to take people to those passages? Have it marked in your Bible. Uh, have it memorized and in your heart so you can speak to them. Take the gospel track and follow that presentation on the gospel track. Learn the logical presentation of the gospel and the scripture that accompanies it. Go visiting with someone who can help train you. How many of you, now be honest, how many of you say, well, you don't have to raise your hand. Just be honest with your, in your own heart. I'd go, but I'm afraid I don't know what to say. Well, then find somebody who does and go with them. There are lots of people uh, who you can go with who can help you. And so go with them. Say to one of our deacons, I'd like for you to train me how to witness. Say to one of our staff members, I'd like for you to train me how to witness. Say to your Sunday school teacher, I'd like for you to train me how to witness. I'd like to go with you. And I'd like to, to be your sign-up partner, and I'd like to hear you present the gospel so that I can learn how to do it. We got a boatload of preachers around here. I'm thankful for them. And I don't say that in any way derogatory. We are blessed. Amen. Hey, get on the boat with them. They'll help you. Amen. Amen. Yes, that's good preaching even if I'm doing it, right? <clears throat> Here's another thing. Under number five, learn to share the gospel. Here's another thing to do. Learn to share your testimony. What is your testimony? Your testimony is your story. It's your story. How did you get saved? Now, someone has said your testimony is your life before you came to know Christ, how you came to know Christ, and your life since you've come to know Christ. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Well, before I came to know Christ, I was lost without sin, I, without God, in sin, without hope. I came to know Christ when I heard the gospel, and I received him by faith. And since I have, let me tell you, he's made the difference in my life. Every one of you who know the Lord have that story to tell. Learn to share your testimony. It'd be good to write it out. It'd be good to think about it. You know what will do your soul some good to think about how God saved you and what he did for you. Number six, <clears throat> just two more left. Number six, be intentional about giving out the gospel. Be intentional. Uh, how many of you, oh, don't raise your hand, but how many of you know you should exercise? Would you raise, now you can raise your hand. How many of you know you should? I was going to ask you how many do, but I don't want to do that. How many of you know you should? Would you raise your hand? 
I'm amazed at how many don't know they should. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know you should. How many of you know you should eat right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you should read your Bible. You, there's certain things you know you should do. How many of you know it doesn't happen unless you're intentional about it? Okay. Unless you make an effort. It just doesn't happen, right? I mean, I've got my nice little chopper, but I haven't made my salad with it. And it would make a nice salad. But I think my wife put it in a yard sale. I'm not sure. Took it to Goodwill. I'm not sure what she did with it. I'm really disappointed, as you can see. A root of bitterness is springing up. Acts chapter 16 and verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Paul had to be restrained by the Holy Spirit. He was intentional about getting the gospel out. I don't know if God has to restrain many of us, Somebody said, I'd, I'd rather have to try to hold somebody back than try to get them to do something. And uh, perhaps that's true, and it is in most cases. But here we find that Paul was intentional. Remember what he said? He said, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor because I've received the gospel. Because my debt's been paid, I'm now a debtor to those who haven't heard the gospel. I'm debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians. And I, I'm a debtor. I want to get the gospel to them. And so he was intentional about it. Do you know, if we're going to be witnesses, we're going to have to be intentional about getting the gospel to people. It's going to have to be a priority in our life. We're going to have to set apart time. Now, in our church, uh, we, we have visitation on Saturdays for our bus ministry. That's not just for bus ministry workers. Anybody can come, and you can help us in a bus area, or you can help us with a lot of things. Then we have our Greater Hickory Mission on uh, certain nights, and, and we have one this week, as I mentioned, on Thursday night, and we're going to the nursing home, and uh, we'll have different emphasis at different times of the year. But there's a time and a place that has been established to give you an opportunity to go. And uh, maybe those times and those places aren't going to work in your situation. Then you have a time and you have a place or you say to Brother Odom, I want to make some visits. Uh, tell me what I can do and where I can go, and maybe some suggestions of who could partner with me, and I'll guarantee you he'll do his best to help you. And if for some reason he's not able to do that, you see me or Brother Dan or Brother Troy, we'll, we'll make sure we get you some opportunities. You have to be intentional. You have to have a plan to do this. So set a time and a place. Have a plan. Keep a list of prospects people that you meet at the grocery store, people that you wait on you at the restaurant, people that you work with, people who live in your neighborhood. Keep a list of prospects. Pray over that list. Contact the people on that list. You don't have to contact them every week, but you may need to. You may just need to contact them every month or ever so often, but keep a list of prospects people that you're working with, people that you're praying for, people that you're asking God to save, and you're actively involved in helping them come to know the Lord. Be intentional.
about giving the gospel. Number seven, this is the last one, and we're closing. Be prepared. Be prepared. Ephesians 6 and verse 15, and your feet, he said, shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. He's giving the equipment for the soldier here in our spiritual warfare. And he says to us, make sure that our feet are shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. And Peter said that we are to be ready to give an answer to every man concerning the hope that lies within us. And so be prepared. How can I be prepared to witness to people? Well, I've got to be soul conscious and I've got to be looking and I've got to be praying and aware, but I've also got to be ready as I've studied and learned to present the gospel. Now, here's a great thing everybody in this room can do. We can take gospel tracts with us. We can take gospel tracts. And so do you have some? If so, where do you keep them? If not, can't you get some? Well, sure you can. This evening when you leave, you can take some gospel tracts with you. You can put them in, a, in an area uh, uh, where, where you're going to see them and keep them. Uh, some of you ladies can put them in your purse or uh, you can put them in your checkbook, whatever the case may be, but be prepared. Keep gospel literature. Keep it in your pocket. Keep it in your coat pocket and have tracts available to give to people. Ask God to use you. Be prepared. Share things. Uh, maybe it's a lesson from your Sunday school material, or maybe it's a sermon that you heard here in church that was a blessing to you. You can take the app and the YouTube channel and the sermon audio link or the podcast, and from any of those platforms, you could send somebody a text message with the link of that sermon, and you could say, I hope you'll listen to this. It was a help to me. Share the message of God's word. How about books that are helpful? If they're good books that are true and faithful to the scripture and they've helped you, then you can tell people, hey, I think you ought to read this. It'll help you. Have gospel literature and gospel material and be prepared to witness to the lost. Imagine going into the war and not having any bullets. Well, that wouldn't be a wise thing, would it? May God help us to be prepared. So we're talking about seven steps to practical evangelism. How can a mother, a wife, a grandmother, a grandfather, how can a factory worker, uh, how can a salesman, how can busy people with lots of things to do, how can they give the gospel? Follow the Lord Jesus. What's important to him will become important to you. He will make you a fisher of men. Number two, depend on the Holy Spirit. It doesn't depend on your giftedness. And by the way, your giftedness or lack thereof is not an excuse not to do it because we're depending on him and his power. Number three, pray for the evangelism of the lost. Number four, be soul conscious. Number five, learn to share the gospel. That is a responsibility that we all have to learn to do this. Number six, be intentional. Number seven, be prepared. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. 
If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.